You both have escaped from somewhere, haven't you? Frequently. Welcome to the Hoovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. I'm Jeremy. I'm other Jeremy. And Colin is on the podcast tonight. And we're going to be talking about the image of Fendel. So uh, before we get into this episode, I've got a little show and tell for you guys. <gasps> and I've got a slightly less cool tell for our listeners at home. <laughs> <laughs> so billions of years ago, what would have been the fifth planet in our solar system where the Fendal allegedly came from, uh, a planet was forming and a rogue planet came into our solar system and smashed into it and they both shattered to bits and became the asteroid belt. And then in 1947, a piece of the nickel iron core of the stillborn planet crashed into Russia and this is it. Oh. So if you guys want to touch some of the Fendal's homeworld. Wow. And how do you know it's, that's a uh, true I feel like real any, McCoy? any young man would be proud oh, to um, such be, a Because thing. you can see that like rock actually only right. melts like that if it's going through an atmosphere, and it would be significantly more expensive to try to fabricate that amount right. of, of heat than it would be to actually throw a rock through the, solar, through where, the atmosphere. Where did you acquire such a thing? At an antique shop, of all places. Oh, wow. Well, that cool. makes sense from 1947. Yeah, the, the, the note that had all of that um, detail about it also said that it would make a very nice gift for any uh, young man in my life. <laughs> but Colin? no, it's mine. <laughs> Oh. Nope. And, and this was pre-con. Oh, man. Well, I tried. We'll see you guys after the divorce. Oh. oh. Whoa! Whoa. Okay. Okay. okay, okay, this never, just took a turn. any rate, never tonight's story, Image of Fendel, was written by Chris Boucher, who, of course, did uh, The Robots of Death, which I believe is the superior of the two stories. This is his third story, because he also did The Face of Evil. And um, I will have to say that for as far as stories go, I will say that this had a decent atmosphere with it, and the lighting and the mm. overall kind of look of Flashing it. Flashing skulls, glowy effects. The, the concept was pretty cool, too. The I, Yeah, the concept g- gave us a little bit of kind of a backstory. It actually gives us some more Time Lord history. It gives us a little bit of Yeah, I like the Earth's whole time, time Lords destroyed that planet to get rid of the Fendal of it all. Exactly. Leela was, cool. was awesome in this episode, mm-hmm. her story. Leela actually had a lot of tender moments, especially with uh, Grandma and um, and her son Jack. Uh, yeah, Martha just as many, mo- uh, you know, um, possibilities where she was about to, you know, slit somebody's throat as well. Oh my goodness, oh. she was ready to murder people left and right, especially in the beginning. But it was kind of <laughs> necessary in this one. I mean, 
Yeah, because everything else is out to get the the main cast of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had we did have some decent characters. I mean, I always thought Doctor Fundelman was kind of a fascinating character to put in, and you, he's kind of like the scapegoat where you start thinking at the beginning, okay, he's obviously the evil guy, but he turns out actually just to be kind of a scientist in the end. Yeah, I mean, one criticism I will give for the other scientists is that, like, Colby, Max, and that other guy that died right away, they all looked the same. I could not tell them apart. <laughs> it wasn't until, like, Max started, like, showing his evilness that it started to become obvious, but I was just like, I, one of those well, guys is in this room right now talking. There was a lot of, like, new characters in this episode that had a lot more focus than I think a lot of side characters ever get, too. So, there's a lot of people to learn quickly who might have some similar roles, so I understand where the confusion comes up. I think with Scott Fredericks, who plays Max, though, he had a very coldness about his acting style that actually fit his character very, very well, but he kept that and maintained that, whereas Colby had more of a kind of nonchalant, I'm just kind of here, I'm the cool guy that that's letting my shirt be unbuttoned throughout the whole story, and I don't know, it just, he seemed I a lot different. At least his shirt started to come unbuttoned. Like <laughs> eventually, you just noticed the chest. Well, at least Fendelman, you could under you could definitely tell him from everybody because he's the one that had the the big mustache and the accent and the no hair. <laughs> yeah, the accent yes. and, and actually had a little bit more to say and probably was more fascinating. Yeah, but I think good acting chops on on both sides. And honestly, I thought. Uh, Fendelman had, like, an interesting kind of motivation behind it. Like, I mean, yeah, he was a little crazy, but if, like, you were convinced that you found, you know, an alien artifact, like, what a cool way to interpret it, to be like, oh, they're probably just trying to, like, communicate with us. Like, <laughs> you just don't normally see that in Doctor Who. The humans are usually like, kill them all! And this is why I think Fendelman's death is completely ridiculously stupid and unnecessary when they do that. I, I think see. it would... I, well, no, I think just having him shot just made no sense. If he had, like, tried to save someone to redeem his character a little bit, or if he... Or if he was killed on the way out. I don't know. There, I, I there's got to be another way than just having another character just go up and shoot him in the face. Well, I think it was it was good character development for, like, Max or sort of the possessed version of Max. Yeah, I think like, the story got something from that death. Not to say that there weren't better opportunities. Yeah, but, but like, you could really see how him. evil that guy was. Well, for, yeah, but he could have, like... like like knocked him out or knocked him over the head and just to shut him up because that's what he was really trying to do. I think I think it was a little extreme. Well, yeah, that was that's. I think that was the point of that is that that guy was being a little extreme by well, shooting yeah. him. But he was already being stakes a little bit. He was already being extreme though by by kidnapping yeah, uh, the girl um, Thea. Yeah. Thea, or Thea rather. Thea was like kidnapped, strung up, drugged, and everything else, and then. Put through the torture by having her become the the entity the entity's uh, way of getting into the world, basically. Yeah, that should pretty tragic story. She's pretty much just minding her own business, and yeah. just all these things happen to so, her. So yeah. this actually goes into the whenever I get annoyed with Doctor Who series is when, and again, it makes sense. But you'd like to have a nar- narrative consequence for someone who gets that role. To become, like, possessed or something. It was like, um, I'm just doing my job, and now I'm 
the Lich Queen. <laughs> it was a little bit uh, Lich Queen. I a, would say. a little bit freaky that Max was watching her though the whole time. I mean, he just the creep factor on his part just kind of was tenfold. Again, like I said, I don't think it was necessary to kill Fendelman for this guy to be creepy and to be evil. <laughs> well, I feel like a large part of that comes from the cinematography uh, around this one, because I think they really got the lighting down. Uh, like, I, I can note the scene where Max uh, stares menacingly, but there's a shadow occluding his eye, so there's no highlight in his eye uh, as he was talking. So that was sort of alluding to his evilness from the beginning, and then after it went, like, full full dark mode on his eyes. Um, and before, I noticed the lighting was quite modern when it came to, I, th- I think it was Fendelman and uh, Colby who were in the, the room sort of looking at the skull with the pentagram and having the cool blue light of the, the skull mixed with the sort of warmer light in the background. I did notice that. That was really good uh, photography there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, there's there's other points um, where there's a lot of sort of... Uh, it, it's during the nighttime, so you have that dark contrast with the mansion. So it gets darker as the mystery unfolds. And, I like and then Tom Baker's scarf shows up and changes the whole <laughs> feel of things. All right, so this, ha- this story altogether had a lot of really interesting elements to it. It had a lot of good acting, a lot of really good execution. Mm-hmm. But somehow, it was still really boring. It had a lot of slow parts. It's very dense, you know? It's like, I, I feel like it's a story that, you know, on on paper should be great. You mm-hmm. know, if you, if you told me the premise, I, I want to be excited, and I want to be excited for the story. I love the sci-fi elephants. A glowing like, skull that eats people's souls? Like, <laughs> yes. come on. Yeah, but there's just, like, uh, it's hard for great acting, but I don't care about the characters. Right. Here's it's what I want to say. This is a show, an episode, which really needs a daytime watching. Like... When it's evening, we're watching this in the evening on, in case you didn't know. So when you watch in the evening, you're nice, you're sitting back on a reclined chair. It just... Not everyone falls asleep as easily as you do, Jay. I don't know what <laughs> you're talking about. Yeah, nobody else does. But yes, if you know, I was going to be falling asleep to a doctor's story, it would probably be this one. It, it was just that there was a part where it was not moving that much. And just a part. It, it was actually two episodes. The two middle episodes were really like the, the first episode was a banger, and the last episode was also very good. But it was the the two middle episodes that were kind of slow because again, in the first episode you had you know trying to kill everyone, and that made that fun. Plus the 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 grand the mother the grandmother was I I know not grandmother but her name was Martha Tyler. Anyways. Martha. My, another um, Martha. She was, she had some lovely character, and actually in the, in the first and last one, and there was a bit in, I think, the second one where she was basically almost dying for a moment, or it looked like that. That was interesting, but after that, it started just to level out into, like, a lot of plotting, and the only thing that holding my attention was... Which guy am I looking at? And that was, <laughs> I think, where I was getting my, my time. And it was like, oh, you're evil now, and you're doing that whole eye, the eye thing where I can definitely tell you're always evil. Now I can tell one of you apart, and I got four. I think one of the other issues is that it just took a very long time for them to present some of the special effects and some of the things. Like when, even in the fourth episode, when you've got... 
um, Thea transformed and she rises, it takes probably a good solid minute just for her to get up and into an upright position. And then you've just got her kind of dematerializing and rematerializing in other locations just in the same exact position. And it's just visually it wasn't that interesting Mm -hmm. and it fell a little flat for me in terms of production values and granted the fendel the fendel lean and the and the big fendel creatures were okay but they well they were obviously just kind of puppets and there was probably someone on the inside just operating their little mouth pieces that kind of yeah. squiggle around. Yeah. But I mean, I can forgive those parts you know, pretty easily. It, but to a degree, yeah, but... Part coming out, that was pretty good. Though. Do you know how I liked the, the, fir- the most? It was not the big ones, but the small ones. And the little part that just came out was like constantly like wiggling. I don't know why, but it felt more alive than the big ones. Like It felt like a, a more of a creature to me. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought when the Doctor and Lilo were like running down that hall and there was sort of that semi-transparent mm-hmm. vision of... of whoever the Fendal core or whatever. Um, I thought that was actually pretty neat. That kind of had a spooky mm-hmm. air to it. Mm-hmm. And also the reversed explosions while being sort of more common nowadays to have a lot of reversed elements. It was pretty nice to see sort of a classic uh, cinematography mm-hmm. reversed explosion with reversed music, which was the even better part, in my opinion. Not that one. Layla's dress was great. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, I like the um, the armbands. Like, but it's very clear. Like the doctor must have helped her tie this. I mean, <laughs> and the scene where Leela actually saves the doctor by knocking the chair down. She doesn't even have to touch the skull or the doctor. But uh, that was kind of cool that she could do that. And that, of course, the doctor falls on her, and that was kind of an interesting, intimate scene. That was. I know, oh. and she was just like, you're heavy. Steamy. <laughs> I, lo- I loved her line. Entirely breaking the moment where you usually would get in any other, like, series of the two characters, they fall on each other, like, you're heavy. Yeah. <laughs> that was, like, the best, like... And the doctor's just, like, mounting Leela, just taking his time having a normal conversation in that moment. <laughs> like, he was completely out of it, and Leela was like, was oh, like, by the way. I feel like the doctor knew exactly what he was doing. I'm not going to say that he That's how he played it. I guess. I mean, Leela's not exactly a bad looker. <laughs> no I know offense you to mentioned this. How many episodes have we watched with Leela? How many times? All, all of them? I think so, yeah. <laughs> Well, she's not. Is, 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 Do you is, disagree? No, no. She's a very fine. She's an attractive lady. But I think there's. More I mean, the wardrobe that. is giving a lot. Yeah, of, that's a I'm, lot of that's work what I was too. Say. The, the yeah, wardrobe, yeah, obviously. I mean, not to say that I there mean, aren't other. But I mean, attractive on on an internal okay. level too. But on yeah, her personality. Right. Yeah, I know. Her, her, I, yeah, that's why I'm Mary Shelby. She has a vast knife collection, and she's ready to go at it at any moment. Janus thorns and all. <laughs> My, I think I think our, anyways, it's fine. Lila is a love is a lovely personality. Well, and that's why I was saying in this particular story, you see a little bit of the softer side of Leela because she gives a genuine kindness to some of the people that are hurt by what's going on. Well, I think it's also just like her consistent, cons- being consistently capable. You know, she's 
lived her whole life in, you know, constant crises. And so she comes with the doctor into these crises and she knows exactly how to handle everything. Like, no, that's not what this person needs. They're freaking out. We need to calm down first. Well, another thing that I think helps is that I think the relationship between Louise Jameson and Tom Baker started to actually form here. Tom actually was very upset when Elizabeth Slayton left and did not take to Louise Jameson at first and actually was very kind of upset with her in, in a way, even though he really he really wasn't. He just kind of took out his frustrations on her. Um, in this particular episode, I think you can see that there's definitely more camaraderie between the two and a little bit more connection, a little more vibe. And, and that worked. that works to the advantage here. I, I do like the Leela doctor scenes. Yeah, and like how uh, the the doctor just casually hands out jelly babies to the poor unfortunate souls who have been struck with the wrath of Leela. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's a consolation prize. Yeah. <laughs> well, it also offers it to the Fendeling, uh, or, um the skull. skull. Yeah, the skull mm-hmm. obviously wanted it the most out of it. Yeah. Mm hmm. Obviously. Well. Maybe we should rate this one. All right. Well, I'll start us off. Um, as I, I've alluded to before, this is an episode that I feel like I, I really should like. But mm-hmm. for some reason, it, it dropped the ball for me. Um, I think the acting was strong, um, but the characters themselves I didn't care about. You know, good spotlights on, on side characters, but sometimes it was hard to tell them apart. Um, I really like the sci-fi, you know, mixed with the potential for, you know, uh, kind of like a cult kind of magic too I think that was really strong vibe mm-hmm. but also like and, and, and really interesting concept but such a dense material that like with all the explanatory power or the lack thereof it just didn't land um, for me I, I think this is going to get a 5 out of 10 mm. it seems like an average middle of the road story in a lot of regards um, it has potential for greatness but um, it didn't land the punch Mm-hmm. And for, I suppose for me, uh, I like the f- first episode and the second episode. It kind of lost me at, at the third episode, um, but like sort of picked up steam with the finale, like most of the uh, the stories did before it. Uh, but I, instead of going sort of middle of the road, I, I'd say it was slightly worse than the last story. But like, I, I think the execution on uh, some of the shots kept it engaging. Yeah, so I'd say it's more of a 6.5 out of 10 for Okay. For myself, I see a lot here, as has been addressed, that has potential. I see, again, it started off, I thought, strong. I thought I was going to really be, be enjoying it. And um, while no one else may have closed their eyes for a couple of seconds, <laughs> I did because I didn't feel like it was really going anywhere for a minute. Um... Mm-hmm. Then uh, the last episode picked up uh, again. That, it, it was a lot, a lot more interesting than everything else. So that said, more for the idea, I would say, if there is something I'd like to see revisited from anything we watched recently, this is one of the ones I would like to see revisited in a more modern take. I think they, I think we probably can have more fun with that mythology of you know. Uh, the occultism with with a sci-fi bent to it, I think that'd be a lot more fun. And I think we have more cool effects for that. So I'm going to give it, though, a 6, because it's still barely better, better than, like, 50%. Um, 
All right, yeah, I think that they were also kind of, and I don't know if they were really taken from this, but it felt like, you know, continuations of the concepts. Like we have the Time Lords destroying a planet and later we see the Time Lords displacing a planet. And, you know, we have people who are strongly affected by being near time fissures and that, you know, making their, their memories and their ability to perceive things stronger. And we see that as one of the foundations of Amy Pond um, growing up near a time fissure. Um, so that was cool. Yeah, as we've talked about, there's a lot of great elements of this, but there was also a lot about it that, that was pretty boring. I feel like this could have definitely been at least one episode shorter and uh, may have been been better. And yeah, they could have used some more distinct looking actors. <laughs> um, but, you know, I love the fourth doctor and I love Leela. And, you know, I think that's going to pull this one up to a six out of ten for me. I think Martha was definitely a distinct character. Uh, oh, no, I was talking about the, the scientists. No, I know, I know. Um, she probably goes down the history books as being one of the most distinct characters. Um, she definitely added some elements to this. I think this is a classic example of a Doctor Who story that was bigger than its britches. It was something that um, had a lot going for it written, as Colin pointed out. Um, but I don't know that it was realized as well as it could have. There were lots of scenes that were very slow and very plodding um, to kind of extend the episode so that it fit the time format. Um, I think there, I don't know if a whole episode needed to go, but just have a little bit more action sequence to to kind of compensate for the complete dialogue that's going on. Because a lot of what's being explained in this story is literally being explained by all the characters. They tell you what's happening, but they you don't necessarily see it. And that partly is because the, you can't really realize as much as you'd like to in in Doctor Who world. I mean, even in the when you've got people ru running in the woods to escape whatever it is that they're running from, we don't have any glimpse of it whatsoever. And that may be for the best. I mean, it's better to have your imagination play on that. Um... With that said, I think there are characters that most people could care less about. Um, and I don't know. It, it tends to fall a little flat for me with regards to the whole story. Uh, this is probably my least favorite Chris, uh, Chris Boucher story, which is saying a lot because he actually has written quite a bit of decent stuff. Um, there was, by the way, a... Um, a Big Finish audio story that actually continues the Fendel story, but I think it's with a different doctor. Um, yeah. Not sure who it is with, and I don't remember what it's about, but I, but that might be something we could visit in the future since it is an interesting concept, and I believe it was actually well-received um, by the general audience. Um, for me, this is also getting a 5 out of 10. It is not, it is very middle of the road. Um, I was thinking 4, but, and I think I would have given it a four had I given my first impression of it um, back a ways. But after rewatching it with you guys, I've actually bumped it up one notch just because of some of the dialogue between the Doctor and Leela, which really stood out to me in this particular story. Um, wow, we were all within a point and a half. Yeah. That, like, that's never that's happens. A that's a rarity, and it kind of gives a very solid, like, 
This is definitely a middle-of-the-road episode. Yeah, I mean, groupthink group think exists, but it sounds like we're all pretty much... We've never thing. been this close together. Like, this is just... Generally, there's a one outlier. Yeah. Uh, I guess not in this case. Also, we did actually watch something before we actually watched The Image of Fendel this evening, and that happens to be the new Doctor Who trailer, which came out just this past weekend. Check it out. It's real exciting. (laughs) Um, Donna Noble's back, and it's quite obvious that she regains her memory as to who the Doctor is in this trailer. As a reminder, David Tennant is back, and Neil Patrick Harris is in the mix, too. Oh, he's going to be such a good Doctor Who villain. And he's going to be the Celestial Toymaker, as it has been announced uh, by the BBC. Um, That's going back to a 1966 story. Which we will revisit before the 60th anniversary comes out. Yes, we will definitely take a look at it. It is worth watching, or at least getting an idea as to what happened during that story. Um, It will... Unfortunately, the only disadvantage is that, of course, the first three episodes do not exist in their original format. Um, Now, there is a rumor out there that suggests that, like the 50th anniversary when they brought back the Great Intelligence and they had just found the Web of Fear, it's that they may have found at least one episode of the Celestial Toymaker. Three to one odds bets it doesn't happen. I'm not saying that it would, but just to make things interesting... Um, episode two of the Celestial Toymaker was listed as an episode that was watchable on BritBox at one point. We're not sure was why. Was it ever watchable on BritBox at one point? No, nobody saw it. It was just that it was listed temporarily and then it was quickly brought back down again. So a lot of fans have been speculating, mm. well, was that something that actually did come back? That might have just been a mistake. I'm, <laughs> it, but it's a very you know what random... when you assume... Usually you're correct. (laughs) Sometimes it doesn't work out for you. All I'm saying is that it's a very random thing, and that wasn't the only episode that was listed. There were a few other episodes that were thrown up there, including episodes four, five, and six of The Space Pirates, which would have been the last Patrick Troughton story that's missing, and it's almost in its entirety. So, with that said... Just be on the lookout for any future announcements. I'm not saying that there's anything out there, and obviously these are all rumors, but... He's saying that it's out there, definitely, 100%. Around the corner, there could be good who's, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, apparently they do know that there are some collectors that are holding on to Doctor Who episodes that they're not releasing them back. Could we be one of those collectors? Could you be the first to hear it on this podcast? I can't say yes or no for sure. If we're one of the collectors and no one's told me, I'm going to have words with you. (laughs) Tell him. No, (laughs) tell him. Sorry, guys. At any rate, well, thank you for listening to the Hoovian Review, and we hope you have a great night. Goodbye, all. Bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.